From the Tulsa world, this is the TU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here's your host, Patrick Prince. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday, September 26th edition of the TU Sports Extra Podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined as always by Barry Lewis. I'm going to talk a little hurricane sports. Uh, so Barry, last week in this podcast, you said we'd know more about Nor- about TU following the Northern Illinois game. So what do we le- what do we learn? What do we know? We learned that TU can win despite a subpar performance from the quarterback, and uh, that's got to be encouraging. Well, I guess that's a mixed blessing for TU because um, you definitely need the quarterback playing at a high level if you want to. Uh, overall have success this season but to know now that you can win with the defense carrying the load in the ground game uh that's that is encouraging it was their first tough game of the i mean it was their first closely contested game of the season because you knew going in they were going to beat pine bluff and then they were probably going to lose to ou in washington so this was like the first toss-up game of the year uh the first game that was contested going into the fourth quarter in the first game, NTU was behind going into the fourth quarter. So this was like the real, as we referred to it in the paper, as the real first crunch time test of the Kevin Wilson era. NTU passed. I mean, it was really impressive how TU took, I'm not going to say they took command, but uh, they took over and was able to um, pull out the victory um, just because basically they won the fourth quarter. Uh, very impressive. And they did that without a r- real good game from their quarterback. Now, um, uh, because you haven't seen that a lot in recent years. Usually when TU wins games, it's because, I mean, the quarterback has a good game. So in a sense, that is encouraging all that you need, as I said, Cardell Williams or whoever the quarterback is for TU to be playing at a higher level than he did the other day. However, to give Cardell Williams some credit, and as our uh, T writer Callie Hummel pointed out, that uh, he does give them some energy, uh, gives them some intangibles that uh, you definitely uh, that you don't necessarily see from his passing stats, which weren't very good. Eight out of twenty for one hundred and two, and two interceptions. So um, that, from a Tulsa standpoint, we did find out that the Hurricane can win a close game and that it can win without a great game from its quarterback. I think that's a good point you bring up, Barry, because it, when you're looking at the schedule at the beginning of the year, this is kind of where you hoped you'd be if you're TU, two and two. Yet they haven't played particularly well. Now, <clears throat> they beat Pine Bluff. At, you know, they 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 did what they had to do, but they had a really rough start to that game. But rebounded and played well and won and won easily. And then, like you just pointed out, they didn't play that great at Northern Illinois, yet they still won. So it's like, I feel like that's, like you said, that's encouraging because they haven't played particularly well, yet they're where you'd hope they'd be after four games, which is encouraging, yes? Right, and and that is that was so important to me. There's a huge difference, even though they're non-conference games still, if you're trying to get to a bowl game which everyone is because uh, it only takes six wins potentially to get to a bowl game, then I think being two and two instead of one and three is huge. This was a, like a fork in the road game and TU is still on that bowl path. Getting to a bowl is still a lot more realistic now than it would have been if they're one and three. So that was 
it was huge to win a toss-up game like that. Uh, you know, while the team, I think the team played a little better against Northern Illinois overall, they just didn't get a real good quarterback play. Uh, the defense, which had had some problems in the previous two games, of course, a lot of defenses are going to have problems going against OU and Washington with two Heisman caliber quarterbacks. Um, the defense bounced back against Northern Illinois, which started a seventh year vet. I mean, seventh year, seventh year quarterback, Rocky Lombardi, who's got a pretty good resume. So even though he's not quite the Heisman caliber quarterback, he's, he does have a pretty good resume. So, um, it was very encouraging for Tulsa that its defense really only gave up. Uh, we'll call it one and a half touchdowns. <laughs> they gave up one long drive when the Northern uh, threw a curveball on them and uh, put in the running quarterback. But other than that, um, uh, the, the one of the one of the two touchdowns was set up by uh, Cardell Williams' interception. So overall. A really good effort from the defense, which had only forced one punt over the previous two weeks and had gotten no pass rush at all. So defense was definitely an area of improvement against Northern Illinois. Yeah. Let's say Braylon Braxton is healthy, uh, Barry, which we don't know the extent of of how he's doing right now. Um, What are you doing at quarterback Thursday for the Temple game? Well, I think for the Temple game from – our writer Kelly Hummel's story, it doesn't seem like Braxton's going to be ready. So it seems like it'll be Cardell Williams. So uh, I think since Cardell Williams is coming off a win, TU's coming off a win, you just go with him until, unless he just does not perform well. And then you might, if Braylon Braxton's available, then you call on him. So uh, Tulsa is going to need to get off to a quicker start eventually or sooner rather than later in the fourth in the first quarter this year they've been outscored 49 to 5 that means no first quarter touchdowns and a lot of turnovers can't really do that and have a winning record you can't keep on doing that Uh, so the first quarter the other day was just a blooper fest on both teams which and t wound up leading at the end of the first quarter two to nothing so you're not going to be able to get away with those turnovers every week. So Tulsa's got to clean that up. They're like the worst team in the nation and committing turnovers right now. Got to get better in that area. Barry, even if Braylon Braxton were ready to go and healthy, I, I would still go with Cardell. What, what I do think you that's think? the mindset. Yes, I think to you, especially I think with um, if Braxton is just like borderline healthy, They've got to look at, I think they would be looking at it like Tulsa's coming off a win. Let's keep on going with Cardell and maybe give Braxton those nine extra days to get fully healthy so he'd be ready for Florida Atlantic on October 7th. What kind of test is Temple going to be? Temple is decent. I mean, I look at it as sort of a similar type, potential for a similar type game as last year when Tulsa went up there and won 27 to 16 in a game no one was at because the Phillies were playing in the postseason next door. Um, that was also not a Saturday game. It was a that was a Friday night game, whereas this is a Thursday night. But still, it's a prime time game that everyone's going to see. Well, everyone who's going to wants to watch college football and going to tune tune into ESPN is going to see. Uh, 
probably a similar type game. Uh, Tulsa won. That was not an artistic beauty last year at Temple, but it was a W for TU, uh, winning 27 to 16. So I think you're going to see a similar type game this year, and I'm going to give TU the edge. Uh, maybe somewhat similar to the Northern Illinois game last week. I mean, Temple is decent. Temple is two and two. So you can't, but you know, these prime time, these short week games can be a little tricky to predict because it's, it's a short week. At least TU got back from its road trip on Saturday night. So that was having an 11 a.m. kickoff last week was a good break for them. That gave them a little extra time. But this is a, a week of midterms for TU players are balancing that. Sometimes I'm not going to say it's going to be the case this week, but sometimes because the players are do have studies to balance uh, with their football. Sometimes they come out flat in these type of games. Really, hard, it can't be hard to predict. Um, harder to predict than normal these um, midweek games. So, I think I'm going to go with TU, but anything can happen. Some TU teams have been really—it's really interesting. Some TU teams have been really poor on these Thursday night, Friday night games, and some of them have been pretty good. So. Um, Tulsa did win on a Thursday night against Pine Bluff earlier, so um, and played pretty well after the first quarter. It'll be, yeah, it's going to be hard to predict. But I'm going with Tulsa. So far, Barry, what players have stood out to you? Well, uh, the one person who has been really consistent week after week after week. Uh, and I think he's, is Kendaren Ray, their safety, six year safety. Uh, right now, I'd say you have to be a contender for AAC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he just won AAC Defensive Player of the Week. He leads the conference in tackles. He's been making big plays, had the clinching interception last week. He is doing exactly what you'd expect um, a six year player who does have starting experience would do for you. Uh, he, he has really been the only one I would say week after week who has really played at a high level for TU because on offense, it's a mystery what they're doing week after week, um, which could be helpful for TU because defenses don't know how to plan for TU because what every week it's a different receiver who might be their favorite target. Uh, they play three or four running backs, and each week it's a different one who's seemingly getting most of the carries. So teams uh really hard to plan for for opposing defenses. And then on um, so just Ray is just really brought it every week. He's been the uh the one constant. A lot of people during the offseason um were celebrating as well. They should Braylon Braxton withdrawing from the transfer portal. And coming back to TU when Coach Wilson was hired, and they were raving about that, and that was obviously very nice for TU that Braxton came back. But uh, Ray did the same thing. He went to the transfer portal and then withdrew, and that was sort of like overshadowed because of Braxton. Well, you'd hate to think where TU's defense would be right now if if Ray was not with the team. 
just speaking as the team uh, in general, what what concerns do you? You kind of alluded to it earlier, Barry. I feel like, but what are what are some concerns you have going into conference play? Just you, they have to get the turnover situation fixed. You can, and you've got to get off to quicker starts. You, they need to jump ahead. For uh, well, they did jump ahead last week. They were up nine nothing early in the second quarter, but they really need a quick start. They need to um, get that first possession and then go score instead of turning it over. Uh, easier said than done, I guess. Obviously, but the turnover situation is something that they really need to get cleaned up. And right now we just, they don't really have an offensive identity. And part of that's because the quarterback shuffling. So those would be the areas of concern. And for TU on defense, we've seen that they can be exposed that they don't have a pass rush. So pass rush, of uh, of course, when you go against the said, go against two Heisman Trophy caliber quarterbacks, um, if they have all day to pass, yeah, not many secondaries are going to be able to stop them. Um, so TU's going to need to have a, a steadier pass rush because they've had a pretty good pass rush in the two wins. Barry, uh, our colleague Bill Haston wrote about this a couple of weeks ago about what's going on with tailgating at TU, and it's really robust now. They're doing some things. Uh, it's really exciting to see, and I'm wondering what your opinion on that is. You've been going to TU games for a very long time. What's it like to see the tailgating culture blow into what it is now? Oh, it's just really exciting to see a, a real big-time atmosphere outside the stadium going to the game. It just livens things up. It just makes for such a better atmosphere overall. Um I think that what's going on outside the stadium does carry over in to inside the stadium. So I think that's just a win-win. It's just I I now the 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 football program, the football team needs to play as well as the tailgating situation is outside because uh the uh T administration is doing all it can to make it a great game day atmosphere now uh and to make Tulsa football attractive for people to try out. And now the football team needs to, to play at a winning or exciting level because some people are here about the tailgating. They're trying to experience TU for the first time. They may be going to their first TU football game and you want to give them a product that will make, make them want to come back because ultimately that's what it's all about. You have a great tailgating atmosphere, but uh, you do need to sell tickets and uh, you need to fill up the stands. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, anything else on your mind, or shall we leave it there for this week? I think we'll leave it there, and we'll know even more about this Tulsa team after Thursday night (laughs) against Temple. All right, you can download the TU Sports Extra podcast for free on Google, Apple, or Spotify. Barry and I will be back next week. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday, September 26th edition of the OK Preps Extra Podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined as always by Barry Lewis. Barry, uh, first week of district play in the books. Uh, What'd you learn from week one of district play? Well, I learned that uh, Union uh, 
was quite uh, quite impressive. I mean, I thought going into district play that Owasso was going to be the number two team, the leader of the pack to challenge Bixby, but now it's uh, learned it's going to be a wild scramble. <laughs> it's because, yes, as we thought it might be going into the year, and maybe things have returned to where I thought it was going into the year, where um, I had Union rank number two, and then you had Jenks and Owasso, or Owasso Jenks after that, battling for third. I do have Jenks ranked number two right now because they did beat Union. That is an important consideration, even though Union's got a better record. So um, Owasso, that was a statement win for last week. Not only did they beat Owasso, but in a game that most of us thought was going to be really close because, after all, they did play six overtimes last year uh, when they met in the semifinals, that it wasn't close at all, uh, at least in the second half. Union one going away. <clears throat> How did that game get away from Owasso like that? Really key moment. And it can be a lot of times routes occur like this where it seemed like it was going to be a pretty even game. And then late in the second quarter, Owasso had the ball at the Union two at right before halftime, got stuffed on a third down play, get no point and time runs out. And instead of like making it a 21-11 game or 21-15, it's 21-8. And then you start out the second half, and Owasso throws an interception. Union cashes it in and just snowballs after that. It somewhat reminded me a little bit of the 2022 Battle of the Burbs when Owasso played Bixby, where Owasso was hanging with Bixby really well for a half, and then everything just flips really quick. Uh, um turnover at the start of a half and all of a sudden the game starts getting away from you and yes and you can't commit turnovers against good teams because good teams will cash them in and union wanted to come out too after the week before at jinx union wanted to kind of come out and assert themselves a little bit and it sounds like that's exactly what they did yes and union has a history of being showing a lot of improvement during the bye weeks and uh, that was the case uh, again this time. So what do you do if you're a Wasso, Barry? They're they're two and two, right? Two and two? A Wasso is two and two. Yeah, and they play undefeated Mustang this week. That's the mar- that's your marquee game of the week. Um you don't want to go two and three if you're a Wasso, but Mustang's pretty good. How do you how do you break this one down? Uh yes, I mean Mustang, I've got like is, this is a really intriguing matchup because Mustang, it's another battle of the Blankenships. We've got the cousins uh, coaching against each other. Uh, it's not father-son, it's cousins this time. So um, Mustang has had Owasso's number the past two years, so that's a concern for Owasso. Um, but it also adds extra motivation for the Rams. This has been a, a key game in the district races, at least for um, if you want to... Uh, have a first round bye, you've got to win this game if you're Mustang or Owasso in all likelihood. So Mustang had mixed feelings on them. They're 4-0, but a um, couple of their wins, they've needed last second drives to pull out the victory, which on one hand is really impressive that got a uh, first year starting quarterback who has been cool under pressure been behind going to the last two minutes, led winning scoring drives. So that's a good thing. The bad thing was that one of them was at Springdale Harbor, 
which I I've seen them play this year and don't think they're very good are not like they usually are. So to have to give up 47 points against Springdale Harbor, um, that's not very impressive. However, that was Mustang's first trip. This was what really surprised me. It was their first game ever across state lines. So maybe that new experience threw them. So Mustang is 4-0. Don't really know totally what to make of them yet. Uh, obviously, they're very talented. And it's going to be a stern test for Owasso. Owasso's two losses have come, to be fair to them, have come against the teams, the top-ranked team, the Juggernaut, Bixby, and Union, who I had ranked number two in the preseason, now number three. So that's those are two teams that Owasso's lost to that Mustang hasn't played a team that caliber yet. Where is uh, that game, Barry? Um, yeah, Owasso is hosting Friday night. Oh. Okay. Home, okay. And and a key for Owasso is if Deuce Chalk, why uh, dynamic wide a dynamic wide receiver. They've got two of them: Jakari Thomas and Deuce Chalk. Deuce Chalk did not play last Friday against Union. Uh, it's uh, a leg injury. He was suited up, did not play. So they they are really that when Deuce Chalk is out there, he can take the offense to that higher level. He just really stretches the defenses, helps open up things for Jakari Thomas even more. Uh, Owasso's got a good receiving core, but Deuce Chalk elevates them, gives them that little extra oomph. So is the indication he's going to play this week? Well, there's just no, you never know <laughs> with it in the high school or college the, if if guys can play, I mean, I think it was a promising sign that he was suited up last week, uh, but you could tell after the game is limping a little bit. So um, at least that appeared to me. So um, if he was healthy, if he is healthy and ready to play this week, um, that would be a boost for Owasso. And it could make a difference in a game like this. Uh, Barry, it's a really good uh, week of games this week. Uh, what, what other games are you looking at this week? Yes. Uh, there may not be any blockbuster game, other blockbusters like Owasso Mustang, which I view as a blockbuster, but there are some really good games, some intriguing games. Norman North in Broken Arrow. Uh, is is Broken Arrow back on track after routing Southmore last week? Um Last year, when these teams played, it was 57 to 50. What a wild game. Norman North wins in overtime. Could be another game like that. Then you got Sepulpa Coweta, which two teams I would love to have ranked, <laughs> but no one loses in 5A. So for all those people who wonder why Sepulpa, especially, isn't ranked, it's like, I want to get them in the rankings, but no one is given, there are no openings in the rankings. Everyone wins in 5A. Yeah, Sepulpa would be ranked fifth or sixth. I guess they'd be ranked sixth if we were going to 6A2. If they were in 6A2, they'd be ranked sixth. Right now, they're ranked 11th if I extended the rankings in 5A. But I think that's going to that's a very exciting matchup. And then you just all down the line, Biggs, Victory, Christian. Um, I think that when they played the last two years, it's they've really played some entertaining games. And then you look at... Um, um, Colin Tall Vertigris is one of those. Oh, before I get to that, Collinsville Bishop Kelly again. That's a really good five A matchup. And then you go to Colin Hall at Vertigris. 
it may not look very attractive because they're both one and three. But remember, these are two perennial 3A powers, and uh, that's a, such a really competitive district that it could be real hard for the loser to make the playoffs. So that would really be stunning for one of those teams not to make the playoffs. Last year, Holland Hall came back from an 0-5 start to run the table and win five in a row. Uh, they wouldn't be 0-5 if they lost this week. They'd be 1-4, but they would be 0-2 in district. And with the district as good as it is, it might be, even though Holland Hall's better than it was last year, I think it could be tough for Holland Hall to get into the playoffs. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Holland Hall rebounds after an emotional loss to rival Kasha Hall last week, which was Joe Medina's 300th career coaching win. So let's salute to Coach Joe Medina at Kasha Hall. And what a dramatic finish um, that Kasha Hall needed to get that 300th win for Coach Medina. Any other games worth noting, Barry? There's there's so many good ones this week. Uh, uh, maybe an under the under the radar game we're not talking about. Well, besides, um, I think Booker T at Stillwater could be that game. Still waiting for Booker T to really get it going. There haven't gotten untracked really. They're one and three. Stillwater's not the juggernaut that it's been lately, or it was certainly last year. So. Um, We'll see if Booker T shows improvement this week at Stillwater. That's a tough task. Central Casha Hall could be interesting. Um, Central's coming off. Uh, they they lost to Vertigris last week. Of course, Casha Hall never know what to expect from Casha Hall this year. They've been up, they've been down and up, down and up. So that could be interesting. Claire last year. And then you got Rejoice Christian at Claremore Sequoia last year in week five. That was the number one game of the week. And it lived up to expectations. It was an outstanding game. This year, <clears throat> never would have imagined that they would each be coming into their second district game at 0-1-1. Even a week ago, I wouldn't have imagined that. But they both lost their district openers. Uh, that's a really competitive district. So now they're both coming in desperate to get a win because that's a competitive district where again, even though these are two real good teams, it's going to be tough to start 0 2 in district and make the playoffs there. And Barry, we have a, a, a new state leader in all time tackles. Uh, won't you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, Victory Christian linebacker, Tayden Ch- Tot Chandler, um, 545 career tackles. It's pretty amazing over his four-year career. So he set the record, at least it's an official record. There's really no official records in high, like you have, like in the NFL or college, everything's, you've got established record books. Uh, there's really no official, official records that you've got in the state, especially when it comes to tackles. But right now that's being, uh, that appears to be the all-time record. Yeah, for tackles. Until we see proof otherwise, at least that's the uh, five forty-five. Still an amazing number. However, you slice it, that's an incredible number. We're we're not even halfway through his senior year yet. Yep, you play every. Uh, he's been an impact player for four years for him, and he's played every game. And uh, that is an average. He's played forty-two games, so that's an average of. 12, 13 tackles a game. That that started when he was a freshman. 
Yes. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. So that's, uh, I mean, there have been some others who've got uh, several others who have surpassed 500 tackles, but uh, he right now is uh, is on top of the list at 545. So congratulations to him. Yeah, he's going to get to 600 probably. And that's good. Yeah, you would think so. And that's going to be a great matchup this week, Bags at Victory Christian, because you've got Red Martell, Bags outstanding running back, Kansas commit, um, going against Victory. And again, like these two teams the last two years have played some really entertaining games and have a feeling that's going to be the same this Friday. Yeah, that will be a great matchup. Where's that game, Barry? That's at Victory. Yeah, that'll be a great one. Well, Bear, we've been doing this kind of thing the last couple of weeks uh, where we where we catch up with somebody, uh, kind of a former local star that you kind of remind us what they're doing now. Uh, who are we catching up with this week? Well, Luke has from Bixby. Uh, what a start he's off to in his college career at the University of Arkansas. He had his best individual game last week. Uh, against LSU, six catches for 116 yards and two touchdowns. That that's big time. So this in for the season, he has 15 receptions already. He's going to surpass pretty quick at this rate what he caught all last year for Bixby. So, uh, but of course, Arkansas may need him more than uh, as a receiver than Bixby did. Because <laughs> remember, except when Bixby was really tested. They didn't really have to throw to him a lot at Bixby. Of course, he was still contributed offensively a lot at Bixby as a blocker, but uh, they weren't, except with a few exceptions, they weren't throwing to him six times a game. Didn't have to. Did you expect that he would make this type of immediate impact? Um, yes and no. Um, it's really tough for any freshman, no matter how talented they are, especially when you're playing the SEC, to make that type of impact right away. But I kept on hearing great reports about him. So it's like, and uh, those reports were accurate as it turns out, because obviously he's been a big part of their game plan all season long. So that's that's been awesome to see. Yeah, congratulations to Luke. Shall we go to final thoughts? Um, yes, we can go to final thoughts. All right, the floor is yours. Well, it's just, again, uh, we alluded to this earlier that um, – it's amazing the depth of quality in 5A where I can't, we've got two really outstanding teams like Sepulpa and Kawita can't get them in the top 10 and they would easily be in the top 10, especially Sepulpa if uh, they were in 6A2 where teams just have trouble winning. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. I've got Booker T at one and three um, ranked seventh. Um, Bar, uh, and then I've got Bartlesville. I've got them ranked sixth at one and three. And uh, it's it's really amazing how good, I mean, teams are having a tough time, win, have had a tough time winning in 6A, 2, but in 5A, in a lot of these games are crossovers. 5A is play, has won a lot of these uh, matchups with 6A, 2. So I think that's what has stood out to me so far this year, how really good 5A is. You can download the OK Preps Extra podcast for free on Google, Apple, or Spotify. 
We really appreciate you checking us out today, and Barry and I will be back next week.